Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 32, the Yago Falke episode. And who are, I think it was, what, a preseason family? Do I want to say the Berlusconi tournament that they had years ago? Sam, your, your memory is a whole lot better than mine. Where Falke's jersey was so screwed up, they basically had to tape his jersey name because they misspelled it. Is that right? Do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember that. I remember we had fun with it on the offside, Chuck. So maybe maybe you can channel those those memories of uh, over a decade ago. I'm digging deep into my memory, <laughs> but I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't recall. I mean, th- that Berlusconi trophy was like like the the the, the like the, what the 45 minute games between yep. the the big three. Yeah. And it's fitting that we mentioned Berlusconi and the Berlusconi Trophy because Juventus just had some very good things happen at the San Siro. So let me first bring in the usual group of Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. I'm a little disappointed it wasn't Alessandro Matri. Well, I was going to say, if we're going simply on good looks, it's definitely Alessandro Matri. Yeah, like, because, like, that, man, that hair. That hair. Oh, man. 
I, th- I know I said it when you said Boriello, but like between him and Boriello, <laughs> Juventus, that 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 eleven twelve team just had great hair. Very very good hair. Very and good. and the, and just between that, like Claudio Marchisio, just the attractiveness of that yeah, team. Very was very so very, so huge. Very strong cheekbones for those guys. So we got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello, hello. And uh, that was a very nice segue, by the way. How he went from like Berlusconi, like. Finally, 30, 30 something episodes in, I finally figured out how the hell to do this thing. <laughs> and we've got Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, as always. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting better. We're getting better at everything, I would say. A little the less podcast, worse. the team, everything overall improving. Hopefully, like the team, we find some consistency. Speaking of which, Juventus, we are recording on Thursday, the day after Juve's. I think it's pretty safe to say their biggest domestic win of the season, a, a 3-1 uh, triumph over Milan in Milan. And I think the biggest thing coming out of it is that 2021 has started a whole lot better than 2020 ended, at least for Juventus on the field. There's a whole lot of things going on off the field. But we'll, we'll throw it to, since I just got done reading the grab bag a little while ago, Sergio, your thoughts on Juventus's big win and how nice is it to see Federico Chiesa playing on his much more natural right wing position? It's really nice. It's really good. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's surprising how different a guy he is when he actually plays where he's supposed to play. It's a shocker, I know, but it, it it's just he's a completely different player. He's a completely different guy. I mean, you can definitely see why they they splashed the big box on him when he actually plays on the right and. And obviously, this was kind of like one of those things that, I mean, you know, more of a force majeure type of thing than, than anything else because Juan Cuadrado has been really good there this season. But I don't know, man. Like, if he keeps playing like this, I think, I think he might he might take Johnny Square's job because he he just brings something else to the table that I I don't know how many guys on the team in general have that 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 ability to just take a guy one-on-one and, and just beat the guy one-on-one and, and have that, the, 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 the awareness, the stamina to kind of like do those runs that not a lot of guys on the team have. So I, I was just really, really happy to see him finally have this type of breakout game that we all wanted him to have. Even the skeptics among us about the signing really wanted him to, to finally have that breakout game. And, and what a moment to have it. I mean, just in the, in the most, must win game of the season so far at least domestically you know he he definitely he put out there he put on a show man i I was really really happy to see it yeah i mean he was like he was great i mean he was just like really really direct um and i think that's something we probably mentioned that a few or no early in the season i think i'd said something about like how the composition of our wingers now is just very, very direct. I mean, you have Chiesa, and especially, I think I pointed out Kulusevsky specifically in that in that mold. Or for him, more because of his physicality and just, I mean, he's a big guy. And, you know, great assist, of course, yesterday as well. Um, but yeah, he's just a big guy, pretty fast, and, and more of a counter-attacking player. Although I do have to say I'm a little surprised how that he's tailed off a little bit um, in the last few weeks but you know still makes an impact off the bench but yeah Chiesa I mean he uh you know especially his second goal I mean there was so little space to make that shot I mean he and Taylor Hernandez I mean he's an excellent excellent left back and I mean he really 
Giza made him look, well, I don't want to say ordinary, but I mean, he really, really gave him a tough time. And I mean, that's just all credit to Chiesa on that one. And yeah, like, like Sergio said, wow, isn't it surprising what happens when you play players in their correct positions? <laughs> isn't that... not, not, not to interrupt you, Tricks, but you mentioned just the small window that Chiesa had to fit that shot through. I mean, they had, yeah. after, after he scored, they had the, the slow-mo replay. And I mentioned it in my, in my post-game thread that just, you saw the two defenders feet trying to block it and they're coming through. And then you just see the ball just slowly working its way through. And I mean, if there, there had to be at most just a couple inches either side of it. Cause I mean, it was about as perfectly placed of a shot in terms of getting through that window as, as he could have gotten it. So, I mean, the first goal was great, both in terms of what he and Dabala did in terms of the combination, but yeah, that, that, that third goal, just the combination of everything. And then to be topped off by that was really, really pretty good to see yeah and I think that's the thing really with very direct players like that it's they just have to make a decision like like they have to do it you know he just took a touch and then he just shot like he didn't you know he, he didn't have the time in that situation to like you know kind of halfway think this halfway think that like you just have like you just do make that decision and I mean you know sometimes it doesn't work um I think a lot of people had frustrations with Chiesa in uh, prior games in which uh, I remember I kept reading in the comments like oh he just keeps dribbling with his head down which I mean I don't know you know he's guilty of it <laughs> yeah I mean you know <laughs> I mean yes that that does happen but you know this this showed the other side of the coin where that can work and I, I didn't even think he was dribbling with his head down he's just or today anyway or yesterday I should say but he just took Taylor Hernandez on and like and like Pirlo was saying in the post-match comments like that his intention was really to pin back Taylor Hernandez to not let him you know be offensively on the front foot and uh, clearly that worked so you know long live Geza. Yeah I think that was one of the 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 one of a couple really good tactical decisions that Pirlo made. I mean I think had Juan Cuadrado been available Cuadrado's qualities would have been able to potentially do the same thing and keep Teo Hernandez pinned back. And Teo, I mean, he's he is one of the best left backs probably in the world. Because, I mean, you have to look at, I mean, full, really good fullbacks are very, very difficult to come by. And just due to the, the dearth of that, you know, of those, I think Hernandez really should be considered one of the top maybe 10 left backs in the world, if not more. And I'm gonna go where I'm gonna go where you didn't, Chuck. So I'm gonna say he looked ordinary. He looked, I mean, on a couple of on a couple of those plays that Chiesa made, he made he looked downright silly. But yeah, Chiesa, uh, I mean, Chiesa's really really come come alive these last couple of weeks. You know, getting him onto the right side, obviously a big thing. That's gonna now be a really big question as to whether or not he and Quadrado start there. It'll probably come down to game situation. You know what what Pirlo might need out of that position at any given time. Apart from Chiesa though, I wanted, and Sergio, you mentioned this in the grab bag as well. The Paolo Dybala looked night and day different from the guy that we were seeing in November and December this year. I mean, Sergio, you said it, I've said it. I said this a lot last season. I, I know I, I, I know I typed these words a lot last season, but Paolo Dybala is the kind of player that you know how confident he is just by looking at him and he 
you know, early this season, as he was getting, getting his feet back from, you know, that, that really bad thigh injury. And then he started, you know, he started getting all these weird illnesses. He was not a confident player and you could just tell by the way he was looking yesterday that was back. Like the, the, the kind of guy that would take the shot from, you know, a two degree angle against Jan Oblak was there. I, I agree with you totally, Sergio, when you said that the pass that he made for Chiesa's first goal, I don't think he makes that two months ago because I just don't think he had it in his head, but I think he's, he's starting to get back. He's starting to believe in himself again. You start getting Paulo Dybala playing like this, playing the way he did today or yesterday, rather this in this game, along with Ronaldo, along with Morata, the way Morata has been playing this season, you put him in with another, you know, any of the plethora of, of backup number nines that we've, we're starting to get linked to. Shame that Quagliarella is not going to happen. That would have been fun, but that that's going to be really dangerous. And I think just this whole, the whole end result of this game is might the psychological effect that this game might have on the rest of Serie A could be really real. Cause you know, here you are with Juventus. They just, you know, we had humiliated ourselves against Fiorentina to end the year we're really in dire straits. We come back, we win this game in Milan. And this was not a game that we, it wasn't a game that we eked by. Like, was it a perfect performance? No. Did Juventus absolutely deserve to win the game? Yes. And you know that like in, in a cartoon, when a cartoon character gets nervous and you get that really outlandish cartoon gulp sound coming out of one of them. I think that, I think, that sound is coming out of everybody in Serie A right now because if that if they come out came out and managed a performance like that in in a game this big, that to me says that something is starting to click, and I think the rest of the league is going to be really really is is going to start walking on eggshells a little bit again. I think the fear factor it, it's certainly not there yet, but by the end of this, you know, by you know, if in the next five or six weeks we start playing like this every single day, every single day, that fear factor is going to come back quick. Yeah. I mean, I definitely share the optimism just of the, of the victory and the fact that, you know, other teams will see, okay, they, they being Juventus still have it in them or that we still have it in us to turn it on. But I mean, I'm still, still a little concerned um, as I said in the pre uh, before we started recording. So the main reason I'm, kind of concerned sort of twofold things but first of all I think that you know despite the victory I would say that Milan still dominated for like a good 30 to 40 minutes of yesterday's game I mean I think it was let's see it was the first 20 minutes I thought we were well on top and scored the goal I mean the rest of the first half I don't really I feel like we didn't really play for the rest of the first half and then you know of course you had equalizer happen with with all the craziness of that equalizer and then second half things were a little more stable but i mean i don't know i still feel like milan created a lot of chances and shout out to fefu for uh digging up the numbers on this one but so we faced 20 shots of milan 20 shots and eight shots on target uh which is apparently a record for this season barcelona managed uh seven on on target uh in the second match actually curiously but uh, I agree with Fefu in the sense that that's way too much. That's 
you know, though that's, I mean, okay, I, I do agree. A bunch of them were like Hakan Chalanoglu uh, kind of spraying and praying as, uh, as we would say in Halo and uh, Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was kind of spray, I was spraying and praying. I, I was, I was going to say a little bit of that, but also like, I mean, yeah, were there times where Milan was clearly on top in terms of, of game control or, or at least possession, if not game control. Cause I really, I don't, I don't know if I don't, I wouldn't say that the game was ever out of control for Juve, even though we weren't exactly playing very, you know, even though Milan had the most of the ball for the last 15 minutes or so of the first half, but that's what happens against good. Like in games against good teams, you're never going to be dominating the entire game. And as much as, as the last 10 years have kind of trained us to think of them as a joke. This Milan is a good team. And they proved they've proven that by, by going on this, this run that, that, that we just ended yesterday, the, the, the last phase of which has come under a serious depth crunch. So like, I, while I certainly agree that you want to see, you know, you, you want to see, you don't like seeing, you know, like what we saw at the end of the first half where, you know, Milan pretty much had everything, you know, everything. It's that that's that you'll get those periods against a good team. And as much as we have been trained to see them as kind of a joke the last, you know, for a while, I, I think Milan are starting to graduate back out of that category of teams that Juventus should beat full stop. I, they're 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 coming up and being very competitive, and I think that I, I just think that those are the kinds of period that those are the kinds of things that you're gonna get when you get when you're playing a decent team. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that like you know Milan are quality quality side, but I mean they were missing good 60 percent of their team last night. I mean they're playing yeah, that you was know, ungodly. I don't know yeah, how the hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're playing a fullback and central midfield. You know. <laughs> I mean, they were just, I mean, decimated in, in mostly in attack and, I mean, midfield as well. But, you know, their, their squad was decimated. And even still, they managed to put us really, I mean, much under the cosh for, like, you know, a good 30 to 40 minutes. That I mean, that is just kind of the main concern for me is, like, you know, I kind of fear what would have happened if they were full strength, you know. Well, I mean, to be fair, Juventus has been playing a winger as a fullback for a better part of a year and a half. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, voluntarily or involuntarily. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we, we've mentioned how many shots Juve has faced, but we haven't mentioned the guy who stopped the shots. And I know that there has been a lot of chatter, at least on our comment section and in our blog Twitter account, the mentions, uh, especially in the, for, I should say as the man who mans that Twitter account, the the 48 hours or so leading up to the Milan game where people are starting this, this notion where Wojciech Chesney is not good enough to play in big games. Well, Wednesday was a big game and Chesney outside of Chiesa was probably Juventus's best player on the field. And I mean, I, I feel like, you know, five out of seven stops he had were really good saves at the very least. So hopefully it silenced the notion that, Chesney is a guy who can lead this team, lead the defense, especially in these bigger games, even though, you know, Buffon is still very much Buffon in the sense that he can have those commanding type of 
goalkeeping performances if if needed i should say and i i find it a little bit ironic that he pulled put in a performance like that when i had a a whatsapp chat that i am in had a a full on verbal war with several of my friends over the them advocating the signing of Gianluigi Donnarumma to replace Chesney and then he goes and just completely outperforms Donnarumma on all I mean it wasn't that Donnarumma was was bad he none of those goals none of the Juve goals I would say would be Donnarumma's fault per se no but, it, it, it wasn't um, one of those games where Donnarumma cost Milan like we've seen against yeah, no it wasn't but that's past. the thing but the thing is that we are talking uh, there are still those games for Donnarumma I mean just earlier this year Donnarumma was in a penalty shootout in the Europa League playoff round and parried a penalty into his own net, which was, which was ridiculous and had a couple of Milan fan friends of mine taking a couple of shots before the next penalty kick was taken. But, you know, Donnarumma, he's, he's, a, he's a good shot stopper. He's, he's, a, he's a very good goalkeeper. I don't necessarily think he's all that. He is cracked up to be. You know, I was covering AC Milan for Bleacher Report the year that Sinisa Mihailovic gave him his debut. And I see really the same player that I saw when he was 17. And that scares me. I mean, yes, goalkeepers are, goalkeepers are supposed to age, are, are supposed to mature later than an outfield player. But going from a five-year period of really not developing all that much, in my opinion, it, it doesn't make me think, it certainly doesn't justify the idea of spending what would be a lot of wage money because this is a Mino Raiola client here. It would be spending a lot of wage money on a position that is not a need right now because Chesney is more than enough at goalkeeper. And given the other problems that this team has need for another midfielder need for about six fullbacks, that that's just not spending money to be replacing Chesney is not a thing that needs to be done right now. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Indeed. And I'll bring Sergio back in on this one since he talked about it as well in this grab bag as the grab bag is now serving as basically my pre-pod recording prep for everything. Just the fact that, you know, Pirlo is obviously learning on the job each week. And I've said it before this, because of the situation being what it is, it's very much kind of a week to week kind of season more so than before, but how much has Pirlo impressed you these first couple games of 2021? And, you know, we mentioned it before, hopefully the consistency can, can breed out of it, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, quite there to really call it a win yet like we're definitely you know we turn a corner but 
it's it's been noticeably better like like chucks alluded to, at first there were definitely some moments in the in the Milan game and the even the the Udinese game which you know were a little bit you know that they kind of give possession a lot and that is a very stylistic type of thing i don't really like you know going one one goal ahead or, or two and then just immediately going back and defending the lead that's not something i particularly enjoy but it's definitely something that that you can tell that it is kind of like what Andrea Pirlo wants to do. And we saw it in the Milan game. Like they went ahead and they immediately went back to kind of like take that pressure. And it was actually like, I, 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 I saw that as when I play FIFA and I'm facing like a high press and I'm just throwing through passes and I'm like, one of this is going to hit and it's going to be a goal and that's what's going to happen. And that was kind of where Juventus was for those 20, 30 minutes that Chucks mentioned. They were trying to, kind of get one of those breakaways, kind of like do that counter to kind of finish the game. And to Pirlo's credit, they did. Like when once they, you know, the game got leveled and they 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 went ahead on the on Kiesa's second goal, they kind of pretty much did the same thing that the first half. They allowed Milan to have more possession. They kind of started defending and brought Kulusevsky and McKenney in. And that's what they did. Like they got a counterattack and Kulusevsky, you know, beat his guy one on one and that was it. Like that is kind of like the game Pirlo wants to play when he goes ahead, and he, I, I think he did it right. I think he did it well. I think we're starting to see a little bit more of of the good things in in Andrea Pirlo's, you know, kind of like scheme, but also the bad things. And I think that's a lot of you know what we saw with you know the the massive amount of shots that that they received. A lot of them, like like Chuck said, like Sam said, they were just kind of like you know out of, outside of the box prayers. But they, they are finding those shots because the transition movement from attacking to defense still, like there's still a lot that can be improved in that, in that regard, I think, because they are finding those pockets in transition. They are finding those chances of, of, of have getting clean shots out. And most of the time, those are not going to be dangerous, but, you know, one of those two are going to be good shots and, you know, Chesney's going to have to parry them out or something, and maybe there's a bounce, and that's a score, right? So I think the, the good things are definitely coming through. I think the team is improving. I think the team is playing better. I think people now are more aware of where they should be on the field, of what they should be doing when they are there. And I think that's, you know, definitely good to see. But at the same time, I agree with Chucks in the sense that there's still, you know, the fact that the the opposing team is just one dispossession in the midfield from having a clear counterattack chance like we saw against Milan. It's still a little bit worrisome because that is going to happen against any team. Like that is like you cannot ask the midfielders to never lose the ball. So I think that's still a problem. I think that still needs tweaking. But overall, I'm liking what I'm seeing from, from 2021 Juventus. I hope that, you know, this is their New Year's resolution type of stuff. Just like be better like just be a good football team and so far they've been they've been definitely doing it so i'm, I'm happy with that so far that's the occam's razor of new year's resolutions the simplest the best. Be better it's so simple be better <laughs> like play well and score goals that's not that hard <laughs> thanks michael owen <laughs> can i actually uh before we move on can i uh add one more thing um, of course chucks <laughs> because thank you, uh, Supreme Overlord, Mr. Penza. Because, <laughs> you know, even though like we 
conceded all those shots and I've raised that point of just letting Milan dominate a lot of a, lo- a large part of the game. Somewhat paradoxically, I mean, we still have the joint best defense in the league. Um, I'm just looking at the standings now and we are tied best defense with Napoli and drum roll, please. Hellas Verona. They have also conceded, these three teams have conceded 15 goals in, yeah, 15, well, for us, 15 matches, Napoli, 15 matches, uh, Verona, 16. So, you know, quite remarkably, we're still the best defense. And also, kind of interestingly, we have the exact same record as Napoli, uh, both teams, 32 goals scored and 15 conceded. So, uh, yeah, bit of a paradox there. Napoli losing that game on... uh on Sunday was a, on Wednesday rather, was it, was just such a, that might've also been a shot in the arm for, for the guys going, heading into the stadium, realizing we can get into the top four if we do this now, because, you know, with, with Inter going down, with Napoli going down, the, I mean, winning that game was such a huge thing just on its own to, to stay within shouting distance of Milan, but to all of a sudden put yourself back into the top four. And, you know, whenever the Napoli game is rescheduled, say, you know, assume that no more ground is gained between now and then you're still, you know, you win that game, you're four points off the lead. I mean, obviously that game's not probably not going to be played for months, but you know, you're right back into the, into the thick of things now. And they, they saw the opportunity there and really, really just went with it. It was it was a little bit like the older teams from the streak where they saw where the opportunity presented themselves and man would they just ruthlessly take it, and I think that was a lot a lot very similar this time. Yeah, and, and I'm happy you brought that up because I do think that and, and I mentioned it in, in in the latest grab bag that for as much as, as as we have kind of like doubted this team and doubted Andrea Pirlo and and for a lot of times with with good reason. Uh, the two biggest tests so far they faced, which is the Barcelona away and AC Milan away, just they have come through on both of those matchups and they have done, you know, just they have had a great performances. They have completely seized the moment, like Sam said. Like they have not, like they have not played like they played against Crotone. Like they, they legit go out there and and you can tell the mentality is different. You can tell they're they just go, I don't know if you're going to need to censor this, Danny, but they just go balls to the wall on every single play. And you can tell that this is something <laughs> that it, it, they only put out for the best games. And this is not even just this Pirlo thing. It's like it happened in the last game, like with the, in, in the last couple inter matchups of last season. It was the same thing. Like you could definitely see a, a change of intensity. And I do, that is what gives me the most hope in, in, in regards to the Pirlo era, that the biggest matches, the biggest tests, and they have gone and, and just passed them with flying colors. So it's, it's going to be interesting because, as, as you all know, there's a lot of, of games that are going to have to be like that if, they're, if they want to, to, to win the league this year. So it, it was just nice to see that they still have that extra gear that they can get to in big games. Which is kind of ironic because the first couple "quote unquote" big games of the year they kind of flopped, didn't they? You look at you know the Ro- the Roma game that wasn't all that great, and then the first game against Barcelona that obviously wasn't very good. So, yeah, uh, definitely. I, I, mean, I would I would 
categorize more the, the first Barcelona game. I think that was a big game that they kind of failed to show, but it, it was one of those things that it's so early in the season that I'm, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to count that like really as one of those make or break moments just because it was so early. But yeah, I agree. I, I think that was the only game where they haven't really, you know, played well. But outside of that, I think every single big game, they have just found a way to come through. And, and that has to be encouraging if you're Andrea Pirlo and, and if you're a Juventus fan, for sure. The, with the Roma game, you mentioned that, you know, that big game there. That's something we haven't mentioned, I mean, almost at all, really, the last month or two. Um, Ais Roma have been on really, really good form. I mean, they are third place. They're only four points off Milan. And they've just been in excellent form. I mean, the last few games, they've only, they only have three ties of one of them. Uh, draws uh one of them was against us of course and yeah only three losses as well and i mean they've been in really good form so honestly that 2-2 is looking <laughs> pretty good from match day two was it i think or match day three perhaps but, yeah match day two uh, match day two yeah yeah i mean that's uh, looking like a pretty good result actually uh, in hindsight except when roma plays the juventus women but that's another story but uh. <laughs> uh, and before we, we move on i just want to very quickly say What's up with Milan fans, man? They had like half, not even half a season of good football. And they were already <laughs> like, I mean, they were just talking so much crap. It's it's just wild to me that. Yeah, I second that. I mean, I listen, that. I know, I know <laughs> I 10 years of like know. not winning anything. That's tough. But, you know, I mean, still, it's been less than half a season. Maybe like chill it for a bit before yeah. we start, you know, we start talking a ton of smack and, and yeah like this 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 point in the undefeated season we were still talking about how we were drawing too much like these get like like from the end of from, from the end of october on just the 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 triumphal march of milan fans has been hilarious to see so sam mentioned it i want to talk about it a little bit further before we kind of wrap wrap this all in a in a bow and sign off, but just kind of the meaning of this result, because we had, I mean, it's wild to wake up and in the morning when I do, and obviously games are on in the morning, whenever Juventus play where I live, but just to kind of see how much had happened even before Juventus had took the field, because you had the inter game, you had the Napoli game, and then you had everything going on with Milan off the field in terms of virus cases and all that stuff. So it, it obviously the win obviously put Juventus back in this place where the Scudetto is still a thing or winning it is a, is a thing I should say rather than being 13 points off the lead but you look at now Milan had a chance to get a comfortable distance between themselves and inner that didn't happen and then Napoli could have you know jumped further closer to to Milan that didn't happen and now Juventus was really kind of the and Roma, I should say as well, are kind of the, the big winners of the day where all of this madness at the top of the table only made things a whole lot more closer, which, I mean, from our perspective is good because we want to see Juventus just kind of chip away at that that Milan lead atop the table. So what do you guys think about kind of just the day that was and and hopefully looking ahead to here these next couple of weeks where the games are still very much big and you know next weekend against inter is the biggest of them all so you know what what are you guys thinking about kind of looking into the immediate future about kind of hopefully what this win means for juventus i do think it's it's very interesting what you're saying because like you said like everything is very much up in the air not obviously we focus more on on, on juve you know 
because this is a Juba podcast after all. But it, it is like this this league is pretty wide open. Like it's it's anybody's league at this point. Like every team has has a shot. Like you said, Roma has I mean Roma has thirty three points. Like that's not like sneakily out there, like really really challenging for the title. Napoli, you know, a little bit down, but you know, also has a game in hand, like Atalanta, so it's gonna be chippy. Like it's really one of the most interesting and and I would say exciting, you know, league title races that we have seen so far. And considering where we were in, in December, where, you know, suddenly there was a point after the Fiorentina game where we were down thirteen, which was like insane. Now it's like down seven, game in hand. If if you win out the month, there's a very real scenario in which you are within maybe three points, maybe two, maybe who knows, right? At that point, you depend on, on whatever Milan and, and Inter do. But if, if you win out the rest of the way, you're very much in the thick of things. And and I just, I, I think that they definitely needed this. They definitely needed to see, you know, the top of the table, just like Sam alluded to earlier, just like psychologically, I think that's huge. Just to know that, like you said, if you win a couple of games, you're right in there. You're right in the middle of things. I think that's massive just mentally for that locker room. It's just mathematically because if they lost against Milan, like it'd be, it'd be tough to make a case that, that they could still come back without, you know, bearing a massive, massive, you know, choke job by Milan or something. But right now, as things stands, I mean, things are very much on, on their court for Juve. So I think it was a massive result for sure. I think it's also very, it, it needs to be remembered. The early game, on Sunday, the 10th, right before we play Sassuolo, which is the last game of the day there, is Roma Inter. So we could be looking at, you know, we could be looking at a situation, at a scenario where we're gaining ground on one or both of them for second and third if Sassuolo, uh, if we beat Sassuolo, which is, you know, just another, you know, I think that ends up kind of looming over that game uh, as well. Like, you know, all of a sudden there's footsteps and now whoever, you know, whoever might lose between Inter and Roma in that game, that's a big, you know, that could end up really putting things out of, out of up in the top four and really, you know, really just smushing things up even more. So it it's, yeah, like Sergio said, this, this is going to be, this is going to be uh, really wide open, but you know, between that inter, you know, like I said, inter Roma. And then I think two rounds after that, the last, the last round of the Andata is uh, Milan versus Atalanta, which is going to be a really intriguing game. And will also have a lot of implications as to, you know, what, you know, depending on what, where the standings are at that point, that could be a, th- that's a clear scenario where Milan could very conceivably lose points. It's, uh, it's, you know, a lot of people have said that Inter might be the, the favorites for the, for the title this year now that they don't have a European commitment, whereas all of the other teams that are in the chase do. But if, if they keep playing, you know, Juventus is used to that. <laughs> and yeah, I think, that, I think that psychologically, both for, for the people, People in the Juve locker room saying, you know, we just went in there and, and won this game. And like I said before, for the entire rest of the league, starting to suddenly hear footsteps. I mean, I, it, it, it does remind me a little bit of 15, 16, when 
you know, after Halloween, Juve started to, you know, they, they had what we call it, they had what they call it, uh, we called it at the club, the ugly goals period, where we would just be winning goals on winning games on like fugly goals that would go off of somebody's thigh or like a dodgy penalty. And um, that's still a chant at, at Legends when, you know, when we can get to Legends, uh, you know, when we could go to Legends and when we will go to Legends again was ugly goals. And, and you could, you could see that the rest of the league just kind of looking and not being able to look away that, and that had an effect as the, as that, that winning streak went on for Juve. I think that, I think the same thing could happen again. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's a lot to happen now because this is only what two games, even though the, the, the second one was a very important one, but if this keeps happening, the you know that not again feeling could start coming in and that'll just help Juve where uh, where you know if, if they keep on winning and keep on rolling yeah i mean i think obviously huge huge three points but the fact of the matter is it's still i mean january it, it just so many big games so much still to happen that i mean i can't really say anything frankly right now because there's just uh, you know, there's still Sassuolo, uh, Inter, and just all those other big games. But like Sam said uh, early in the episode, I think the biggest takeaway from this game was psychological. Was It was such an important game psychologically. Had we lost, we would have been 13 points behind. I mean, that would have been hugely, like, symbolically, I mean, that would have just been so... I don't know. I mean, I don't know psychologically how we would have recovered from that. So I think more than anything, it was just a hugely, hugely necessary uh, psychological boost that um, will be very necessary for, I mean, this just intense month of football. And then February starts again and Juventus, guess what? They've got a game against Roma. So <laughs> it never, it, the schedule is, is. And then the Champions League. And then the, the Champions League continues. This, this schedule this year is. Uh, it never, it never slows down, does it? So, yeah, th- those who aren't playing in the Euros are very much going to earn their vacations this uh, this summer. So, I mean, I'm just grateful we have such squad depth. I mean, the commentators were saying it yesterday as well. Like, I mean, even with, you know, injuries and obviously COVID and players being out of form, like, you know, Ben Tancur and Arthur are still kind of, you know, taking his time to uh, acclimatize, still we're able to bring on McKenney, who's been in excellent form, and Kulusevski, who's been, you know, on and off. I mean, strong start to the season, tilled off a little bit, but still, I mean, a super sub uh, off the bench. So, I mean, that's frankly a huge privilege to have that. Yeah, that was the difference in the, that was the difference in that game. The two differences in the, in that game were Juve's depth and the fact that Juve were far more clinical. And and that that was the difference. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's always nice when one of your best strikers gets hurt, and then you can turn to Paulo Dybala. So, <laughs> on that note, we'll wrap things up here. I stupidly forgot to ask for Twitter questions this week, so we do not have any Twitter questions. I will remember next week. I'll schedule the tweet now. Anyways, as always, you can send us any Twitter questions at Juventus Nation on Twitter, at Black and White and Red all over on Facebook. Same kind of thing on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. Search black and white and red all over all those places. Apple, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and write us a little blurb if you'd like. 
tell us how how nice Chucks is once his Zoom doesn't crash on him. So, for the aforementioned Chucks, for Sam and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys next week.